Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hey, what's up, Golf Strategy School? I am back here with friend of the show, Josh Boggs. Josh is a PGA instructor out of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, he's with Golf Tech over there. Uh, so basically, if you if you need help with your game, if you want to score better, then you need to go see Josh. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming back on the show. How have you been, buddy? I'm good, man. I am good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the, the kind words. Yeah, I mean... I've I've learned enough from you to improve my game with you having only seen my swing once about what six years ago. <laughs> and, sounds all right. That sounds all right. But yeah. yeah, you're pretty good at describing what's going on, and uh, most golfers have similar problems. So you start to figure out the patterns and and make it work from there. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's certainly been a pleasure working with you, not just on like my game, but on. You know, the the borrowing of all of your golf knowledge to help my audience better understand things. And that's kind of where I was going today. Uh, hey, segue uh, <laughs> talking about uh, this really sparked from a question that I got from a listener and they were asking about new clubs and, you know, like they wanted to get new clubs, but they weren't sure if they needed to get new clubs. So I was hoping that we could talk about. What are some things that golfers could and should look for that will tell them if they need to get new clubs or if it's like kind of an opportune time to get new clubs? So any kind of not not to just throw it wide open at your feet or anything, but any thoughts on the subject? Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly have a few because, um, I mean, I hear this hear this all the time. Um, one of the first things when you proposed this to me, uh, this question came to my mind is, um, have you been fit before? Um, if you haven't been fit before, um, you, you should pursue a fitting. I mean, for no other reason, peace of mind uh, yep. to know that like what you've got performs up to, to what you need um, or like what the most is getting getting out of you. Um, when, when we start with uh, someone new at Golf Tech, uh, most of the programs that we, we, we put people into come with a club fitting. And when I'm proposing that to somebody and somebody goes, well, I don't need new clubs. That's not my purpose in doing the club fitting. When someone hires me to help them with their golf game, it is my responsibility to make sure I'm doing everything I can to help them play better golf. And sometimes that's making sure that the equipment they have is performing uh, as good as it possibly can. Um, and so having that confirmation by just going through the fitting process, um, I can find that be super helpful. So like my, my, my first thing off the cuff is if you haven't been fit before, get a fitting, um, see where your clubs stand versus what, like where they could stand. And and that'll start to allow you to make a lot of decisions. 
Yeah, so my two cents on kind of that exact scenario, if you've never been fit for clubs before, like Josh said, whether or not you're even shopping for clubs, go get a fitting. For one, like Josh was saying, you are going to get all this wonderful statistical feedback that will tell you, you know, whether you're getting the most out of your clubs. But for two, just from the consumer standpoint, it's pretty cool. You kind of feel like a VIP. They're like, they're like, oh, sir, let's try try this club. Let's try, you know, let's see this one. Here's our reasoning and our logic behind this. And, you know, we're going to see if, you know, this changes your, you know, your output, whatever it is. And, you know, so you go back and forth between hitting your clubs, hitting some different clubs. And at least in my experience, that's that's what it was for me to see kind of. And granted, I'm I'm at a level where, for the most part, like I look at the numbers and I can tell myself how well it's going. But to experience all these different clubs that. Again, whether or not you're shopping for. It's a really good experience to also find out kind of like what else is out there. Now, the one thing I will say about getting a fitting is even if you're not shopping for clubs and then you can go get fit, you might be shopping for clubs afterwards because, sure. <laughs> you know, it, depending on how long you've had your clubs and how long and how much technology has moved forward, you might be really, really surprised at what the new sticks can do for you. So I I love that advice in terms of just start off getting a fitting and kind of let that open your eyes and just confirm whether or not what you're using is good for you. Well, the other thing is like an education experience, right? Like, so when I'm doing, yeah, I make, I make a promise to somebody, like we've got a couple goals in this session. One, find, you know, find the best clubs for you. Sure. That that's the obvious one Two, Like, I want you to understand those golf clubs. I want you to understand like why we chose the head we did why we chose the shaft we did and why that combination is better for you. And like, when you get to understand that knowledge, like you have an understanding of your equipment. And if you're going to, you know, like most of the people I hang out with and, and spend time with, they're like, they're golf nuts. And so like, if you're a golf nut, like having somebody like walk you through, like, yeah, like the weight is here in this club head to do X. Um, and like, we went with this shaft because of this, like, when you know that, I mean, at the very least, you sound impressive to your buddies. Um, so, like, that's <laughs> at the very least um, that you, you get to you get to talk on a higher level uh, about golf in your particular golf clubs. Yeah, that's a great point. It is a very much an educational experience, and I think that's <laughs> that's probably what I was trying to kind of lean towards. Uh, the The other thing with fitting is that uh, you know it is it's not just like an educational experience about the, the clubs, but about like what actions and forces you're imparting on the ball and what result it has. So one of the, one of the common things that I hear from a lot of people and like, it took me years to fight my father-in-law on this and actually get him to go get fitted was I'm not good enough to get fitted. So what would you say to someone who, who gives you that line? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like the, like, there's certain scenarios like where you're good enough or like how much improvement would it be? Like if you're not good enough to get fit, like, are you not good enough to like play? Like, so you're not a golfer. Uh, like I'm not like, you know, when that's one of the first things that comes to my mind, like 
if you play and you finish holes and you play multiple rounds of golf in a year, like sounds to me like you're probably good enough to get fit. Um, and it might only make golf easier, um, which would be more fun. So like that would be first number, like two thing I think about, like when I do that is maybe like go down the instruction and first, like, okay, like if that's what it's going to, to take for you to get, be good enough to get fit. Um, I will occasionally have an individual come in for a fitting and they are not making good enough contact to get quality results. Okay. Okay. Like that happens from time to time. That is so few and far between. And most of that time that turns into a conversation about their golf game um, in which like they might pursue lessons or work on it on their own or know what to work on to get better. Um, so like it can still be a good experience getting fit and understanding your golf game. But I would say like, by and large, like if you play multiple rounds of golf and you finish the, like the holes in the rounds of golf, like you're good enough to get fit. And if you get fit, the first thing that a good fitter is going to do is they're going to compare to your current equipment. Yep. And so when you look at it and it's like, okay, my equipment does this, the new equipment does this. So like, for example, I did a fitting with a guy the other day, um, his old set of irons, his seven iron was carrying like 135. And this, this guy was in his early thirties and he was like, it's kind of embarrassing. Like all my buddies like hit it way past me. Um, it's like, we looked at his equipment and like, I was like, oh, okay. Like, well, that kind of makes sense. Walked him through, through the process. And we can, we can talk more detail about, about the process and how it worked here in a minute. Um, but by the time we were done, he was carrying a seven iron. 170 yards. Whoa. Like, if you think about that, 135 yards to 170. Yeah. What would you do with an extra buck 30 or with an extra 35 yards on your, on your seven iron? He went from the shortest hitter in his group to the longest hitter in his group by changing the equipment. Like, yeah, it's just like, there's some points that get simple and like, certainly wasn't like the greatest golfer of all time. Uh, by no means like your average, like weekend guy plays with his buddies, plays in scrambles. Um, but like that can make a big, big difference. If you're in a situation where you're not good enough to get fit, um, as you phrased it, then the results won't show any better. And the decision will be kind of easy. There's no reason to like throw good money after bad. Um, but if the <laughs> results from a fitting show improvement, well then like it might be better for your golf game. So in a, in a circumstance, like the one that you just laid out where a person gains, really like 30 (laughs) percent almost like 25 ish percent on a club what are what are like the factors that go into that kind of monumental of a gain and as kind of a follow-up to that is this something that we would be able to tell ourselves like we would be able to notice within our own play, or is it something that's really going to only kind of come out at a fitting? Yeah. The, the reasons why will only come out of fitting, but you should be able to notice the one, like this, this one was pretty straightforward. You've got in shape, um, guy in his early thirties getting the ball routinely hit past by his buddies with just the irons. Uh, driver, like he's competitive with them. Uh, but the irons like huge difference. So like that, that's kind of a red flag that he could tell himself 
as for the reasons why we need to figure out in like the fitting environment. So when we did and I looked at his equipment, because the first thing I always do when I do a fitting is I take some measurements of the golfer. But I should say the second thing I do is I take a look at their current equipment um, and I'll check the loft of the equipment. I'll check the um, weight of the clubs, like the swing weight. And I'll also check like how stiff uh, the shaft plays. So I know exactly what they're working with. And then once I get some data out of that, I can understand if any of that data is not optimal. Like, so for example, in this golfer's case, um, he tended to launch the ball um, a little higher than optimal um, with his irons and the ball okay. also had a lot of backspin. Um, so what we learned from that is he could benefit uh, by playing a shaft that was heavier and stiffer to knock down some of that backspin. And he also could benefit from the idea that like the modern club head um, in irons particularly tends to have less loft. So his seven iron came in measuring at 34 degrees of loft. The seven iron that I fit him into ended up being 29 and a half degrees of loft. Whoa. That coupled with a heavier and stiffer shaft um, created more optimal launch conditions um, that produced a higher ball speed, which made the ball go further. Interesting. So, and tell me if I'm kind of capturing this correctly here. If we're out there playing with our buddies and we notice that we are kind of in, I'm going to assume this is probably in either direction. We're either competitive with the irons and lagging with the, with the woods or vice versa. We're competitive off the tee with our, with our driver and our woods, but we're like really, really lagging behind with irons. That is a sign that it's probably more an equipment issue than an actual swing slash performance issue. Correct. Yes. Yes. The only caveat I put on that, unless the strike was like clearly like no good. Bogus. So like, sure. you know, if you're always hitting uh, several inches behind the golf ball, um, it's not as clear cut that that's the equipment. Um, it's yeah. Like off swing issue. But if you feel like, you know, like contact wasn't bad. Like we've all stood on the par three T right. And like everybody, like somebody said like what they were hitting. And then you looked at your golf club and you're like, shoot, like I got like, two clubs more. And I was like thinking about going to grab another one. Like, and you, you go back to your bag and you don't, you, you know, to hit the lower club to compete with the fellas. Um, and all of a sudden you end up short in the water and you're just like, man, I should have known what club to use. I knew that was an eight, not a, not a nine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if that's your scenario continually, like it, it could be an equipment thing. Yeah. So kind of along those lines, like you just mentioned the big change in loft. Why is it like, and I remember, and I'll put it to the listeners to find the episode. Good Lord. I got too many of them, but we had talked on a show at one point about how like every so many years, I think you kind of put the pin at like four to five years. Like if you're an avid golfer, you should be considering getting new equipment because of the technological advancements. What are those, like, first off, do I have the number right? And, yep. and secondary, what, what are those advancements? So just like, why, why does the ball go farther? Obviously it, like it can't just be the D lofting because we still got to get the ball up in the air somehow. So sure. yeah. Why? Yeah. So first my, <laughs> science, my general, me, base, Josh, science my general baseline irons, four years, driver, two years. Um, is when I start to see noticeable like gains and improvement. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't irons that are four, uh, four, five, six years old 
that like uh, you're guaranteed to need new irons. That's just when I was like, yeah, it's likely we can find something better. So the talking on the iron front, there's been like a lot of cool evolution on this. Um, obviously, like distance sells and distance is, is a sexy thing for people. Um, and, and the club companies are, are highly aware of that. Um, but like just lowering distance or just running loft doesn't necessarily mean more distance. So as technology has advanced, a couple of things in that they have improved. So if you've been playing golf for like the 20 plus year range, maybe a little less than that. Like if you remember like the clubs you had um, 20 years ago, like when, like when we were all younger, um, most people had like a set of dynamic gold S 300s. I'm sure you probably had a set with some dynamic gold S 300s at one point Um, because like that was almost what every golf club had in it. Well, this is like a super heavy, low launching shaft. And like, there weren't a whole lot of materials out there that like can make the ball go like higher or lighter. It, it was hard to like graphite. The quality control wasn't that good yet. Um, and like, like steel, there was only so like they could make it before it broke. So like as technology has developed, they've gotten better at quality control with graphite and they've gotten better with making like lighter golf clubs. So like, this is really, really help the idea that you could make clubs lower and loft because if I just put those same heavy shafts in there and I dropped everybody's lofts down, well, like they wouldn't get the ball high enough to go very far. Um, right. Think of water coming out of a garden hose um, based on the speed. There's a certain level you got to tip it to get it going up. So the ability to have lighter shafts has helped this tremendously. The second thing that's happened is they've gotten really, really good at where to place weight in the club head. So depending on where that weight in the club head is, it's going to affect where the center of gravity is. And the lower you can make the center of gravity, the easier you can hit the ball above it. That, that kind of makes logical sense, right? The lower something mm-hmm. is, the easier it is to get above it. Um, so they've been able to offset the loft uh, with lowering that center of gravity. And they've been able to uh, not see the negative consequences of loft going down by like playing um, lighter shafts. And so what you're creating is this scenario where golfers are hitting it like further than they ever have in some cases. Um, or they're going back to like, you know, they're, they're in their 50s, um, 60s now, and they're going back to hitting the ball as far as they did in their mid 30s. Um, and like this can be kind of like game changing because like. You know, most average people play from around 6,000, 6,500 yards. Um, and it's really hard to play golf from the distance if you that distance if you can't hit a drive over 200 and a seven iron like around 140, 150. Um, but if I can get you closer to that scenario, like I, I, you get, you're a lot closer to having success on the golf course. And so when the equipment can benefit um, in the way that it has, like you're starting to see that happen. So this is something where, and this is just me kind of thinking out loud through this subject, and you have way more familiarity with this than I do. So, you know, you talk about lowering the center of gravity. We're able to achieve that, I'm thinking, in large part because, and if you've been playing for a long time, I'm sure you've seen all of these keywords and buzzwords and all these metal types listed, but we're, we're going out and we're finding like heavier, denser metals to put lower in that club head. Right. And that's, what's producing that. So like the, you know, the, Oh, what was it? You know, titanium was like the first big thing to come out in well, that was probably the late nineties, mid nineties. And then it was tungsten 
And that was like a big thing for the irons. And I think that was because of the, you know, the denseness of tungsten and the weight of it helps push that center of gravity lower in the club face. So you have to do less work to get under the ball. Is that, is, is that, was I, was I correctly marketed all these years? Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things going on and I'm sure that we can find a, an engineer or somebody that can like know a whole lot more about, uh, about this, the specifics of this topic. But when you have like these materials that they, they have, and it's important of like where the weight is, well, with, when you can shave weight, you have more room to put weight where you want it. Sure. Right. So like that, that's super helpful. And that's like super relevant with drivers, right? Like if you notice yep. like some of these, the construction of the drivers, um, you'll see like some, some companies are starting to use carbon fiber, right. Um, on their drivers, like it's a, a lighter material, but that is still like durable. Um, so if they can make something lighter, that means they can put that weight somewhere else. Right. Like yeah. if you think of like an old persimmon driver, like like where do you put the weight? Like it's all wood and it's solid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you start to get like, you know, some the the metal head revolution and like the inside of the head's hollow. Um, well, cool. Like there's there's nothing there. So I can I can position the weight somewhere else. Um, I even remember sitting in on a uh, like a product training uh, that Mizuno did a few years ago, and they they use this material they call chromoly. And so what they're effectively when they were they were presenting this to me, um, it's a little bit over my head. So if I misspeak, my apologies. But in their metal forging process, they were able to take like the grains of metal and put them closer together. Um, and in doing so, that made that golf club like the face be hotter um, than other types of, of that material. Um, so like that makes all sense sorts of because things, like, it would be more dense and it would be able to more efficiently transfer the energy and the force that you impart from the club to the ball. Yeah. That's, but I think that's where the physics in me, the, the AP physics class I took 22 years ago. Uh, <laughs> that's what I remembered from that. That's as good as gold then. I mean, like I would put you up there with, with one of the top club engineers with that knowledge. Yep, exactly. um, but I think the more important <laughs> thing uh, to like for the average golfer to know is making sure that they have the right club head for their game. Um, and so like I always put the club heads into like three, three categories. Um, you've kind of got like that really good like player club. Um, those clubs tend to be thinner. Um, they look super sexy, um, you know, like, like classic blade look, um, gotcha. the next category I throw clubs into is like the player's distance iron. So it's kind of like the, like, it's a little thicker. It's got a little more weight. The lofts tend to be a little lower cause they've added a little thickness to lower that center of gravity. They've also made it more forgiving because the thicker the golf club is, the more weight they're putting away from the face which increases what's referred to as the MOI or the moment of inertia. So yep. that means when you don't hit that club on the center, um, the ball speed won't be affected as much as that thinner, that blade like club we were talking about a minute ago. Um, and then your third category of golf club is that game improvement um, golf club. Um, yes. And so that's the thickest sole tends to have the, the highest MOI, the center of gravity, the lowest. And so, um, Finding the club head that's best for your game is is the most important part from an iron perspective. So, like, reasons that you should play a game improvement club. Low club head speed would be one. Because that low club head speed makes it hard for that ball to go in the air as high as it would need to go to reach its maximum distance. Well, a thicker club head is going to allow 
that center of gravity to be lower, right? Like you wouldn't yep. want gives your, you more natural lift. Correct. You wouldn't want your, you know, 65 year old senior golfer playing something that's really thin, even if they were excellent at golf, even if like their hand eye coordination was amazing and they had a great golf swing because they don't generate enough club head speed to warrant that. Sure. Um, now let's say you're um, a little faster in club head speed, um, but still like, you know, don't always make the greatest contact um, struggle. Um, you know, might be like 15 plus handicap. You still might need that same game improvement golf club right? Because of that increase in MOI. So you could have the, a golfer needing the same club head for two totally different reasons. One golfer, really good golfer, low club head speed. Other golfer, really high club head speed, but not as good of a golfer. Yeah, can't um, find the middle of the face. They can both benefit from the same club head. And then just making sure, based on the rest of the things you see in their golf swing, um, in addition to speed, that the shaft also matches what they need. Gotcha. So I, I'd, I'd like to talk about like the, the kind of the middle mid range and the blades as well. But before we do is the age old, like Dr. Scholl's foot spray test in terms of like measuring that, uh, that contact location, is that a good way for someone to kind of like dip their toe into that assessment a little bit i mean obviously it's not going to be like a hard and fast oh well you know i've <laughs> i've got these marks all over the face i definitely need new clubs like and I, I know i'm not necessarily saying that but if someone does notice a very wide dispersion on their face it, with a you know with some type of foot spray or powdered spray something like that is that maybe a sign that like hey let's go and and get our clubs fitted because you know what? It might be drastically more beneficial than we thought. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like the standard interview that, that I'll give somebody uh, when I'm trying to figure out like what makes the most sense is the first thing I'll ask is like, what's your goal with new golf clubs? Yeah. Uh, and like one of the things uh, that people are like, I want to hit it further. Okay. That's, that's one. Um, another one would be, you know, like uh, I am, <laughs> um, uh, I am frustrated with um, how far the, the golf ball can go offline. Okay. Like, uh, but I'm happy with the distance. Like those two are like drastically just different answers. Right. And the third one was like, yep. oh, I, I can't make solid contact. Well, can't make solid contact. Like often is more of a, a golf swing thing. And so the golf club itself is not going to change it, but it would be an indicator that I would want to go towards more game improvement. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Number two, the second thing I presented was like, well, there's uh, a frustration with like how much the golf ball goes left or right. Well, like that, that's where I'm going to look at their current equipment. And if seeing if there's anything about their current equipment that might make the golf ball go one a direction more than another. Right. Okay. But just going to something new may not eliminate the directional struggle because that made me more golf swing. Yeah. And then three, like the distance one, like, was there anything about this that uh, causes this golf club not to have the optimal launch conditions? But, like, we've got to figure out, like, what they want to accomplish. And once we figure out that, like, okay, like, then we can make a, a decision on, like, what or if equipment makes sense. Um, so if by doing the Dr. Scholl's example, you are finding it over the face, like, and you're looking to change golf clubs, I'm, I'm going to lean towards something more game improvement. But that's really the only thing that that test would tell me. Sure. Yep. 
But as as a way for someone who's like at home or on the driving range or in their garage, just kind of, you know, getting some swings in, this is a pretty decent way, would you say? I kind of get better at golf. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, like, so, we've talked yeah. exhaustively about how important just being able to tell based off of feel where on the face you hit the, you know, the ball is is such a huge indicator of skill. Uh, so I, I agree 100 percent. Like if you got 15 minutes, go do that drill for nothing else other than your own personal improvement. But if you are doing that drill and you do notice that there is quite a, a wide dispersion that, yeah, that might be, you know, a good indicator that it's time to at the very least go get fitted to see if it's swing related versus equipment related. Is that fair enough? Okay. Yeah, it will certainly be evident after going through that fitting if the golf club can benefit your golf game. Um, in multiple ways. Yeah. So we just talked a lot about the, the game improvement irons and situations or examples why someone might land in that category versus another. When we go for that kind of hybrid, uh, what typically, you know, do you see when you're fitting people, uh, that lands them in that hybrid bucket as the preferred Clubhead. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I know this one well because it's the type of golf club that I play. Um, Me too. So, you know, so as a, uh, you know, lower single digit hover around scratch, a, a little bit above player, um, golf swing is decent, right? My face to path relationship is is, is decent um, and respectable. But if I go to something like that is um, the, the more of the blade style, it doesn't have the, the distance. That, that would benefit me, right? Like I have to hit uh, a golf club that is a lot longer uh, from certain certain distances. So that, that would make golf tougher. Yeah. Um, and then number two, like that extra forgiveness. Um, but kind of in that blend, I still get some of the feedback of the smaller head. Um, so when you increase that thickness or that increase that MOI, like the feedback of like, oh, I hit that off the toe, I hit that off the heel, I hit that high on the face, I hit that low on the face, decreases. Um, because literally, like when people talk about feel, um, and I learned I learned this a, a number of years ago, what that really is is the auditory noise of the contact. And oh, so really? Thicker, yeah, it's not actually something like from a touch. Like when you touch it, you feel it. It's the sound. Um, so a lot of the club companies when they're designing golf clubs they'll have uh somebody hit it and then they'll have a microphone on the other side and they'll they'll give them the feedback like oh that felt good uh they're going to register that sound as a good sound and design the club around that so wow. thinner club head will have that better auditory feedback for somebody so it'll have a better feel i'll have more of an idea of where i hit it on the face which is beneficial to me as a better player uh, but i also get the benefit of having more distance right so like i can hit my clubs further i can be i can be competitive with those players that are higher speed than me gotcha so really i imagine in terms of like the like you know plays most weekends type of golfer they're in all likelihood depending on certainly like physical abilities and stuff like that they're going to probably find themselves either in the game improvement bucket or in this hybrid bucket. And I imagine right. 
And some players are in a blend of both. So, for example, like we'll just go back oh, really? to my bag since I know it better than the other bag. My four iron, game improvement. Huh. Yeah, like it's real super thick sole. And like I'm telling you, I, I, I made this switch probably three sets ago. Um, and there's some when you're sitting on that par three that's 215 yards and it's a four iron and you look down, and it's this big old thick thing. I feel fabulous about hitting that <laughs> uh, when before I would have been shaking with my knees on how to hit that shot. Like when I have that, it just it's that it's that extra benefit. I, I know it's going to be a little more forgiving. I don't have to hit it perfect. If I hit a little bit off the toe, it's still going to be OK. Um, gets the ball plenty high. Like, so like I'll do a lot of blending with people, um, in their bag. If they, if they can present some of the characteristics that would benefit from that player's distance irons versus game improvement. So is your four iron, your only game improvement iron in your bag? It it is in mine. Yeah. Um, I have some players that I'll do four and five. That's Uh, what I was thinking for myself. Cause I'm, I'm, I've been looking at a new set for about a year and a half. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll have to keep that in mind. That never would have crossed my mind. That's an amazing tip. Uh, so when we talk about that, you know that that sexy blade, that's really a very very small sliver of the golfing community, correct? Well, I mean, two things have to come together, right? Like uh, a lot of speed um is generally necessary um and um the face-to-path relationship or or just the overall quality of golf swing um to make enough centered strikes to make it work um and that you know golf's hard so that's a that's a rare number of people that are out there that have fair amount of club head speed um and the the golf swing that uh, would would not benefit from having the more forgiveness um and you're, you're even seeing it on tour you're seeing more guys play player distance um, irons than ever before and not everybody playing that old school classic looking, uh, you know, blade. So when we talk about the blades, am I correct in saying that that sweet spot is even sweeter on blades compared to like a game improvement iron? So that's actually incorrect. Incorrect. It's less opposite. It's it's less sweet. The reason it feels so good. So they would call it sweeter is the auditory noise. So when you hit a blade well, And you hit the thing, the sweet spot's smaller. Mizuno killed this a few years ago in how they presented it. They were talking about their game improvement iron, and they said with their game improvement iron, we've made the sweet area bigger. And what they were saying is we've increased the MOI that on the off-center hit, uh, the sweet spot (laughs) sounds better. But the smaller clubhead, the reason somebody like loves that look of a blade or that feel of a blade is because when they hit it well, there's no better noise. When you start adding material and you make that thing thicker and thicker and thicker, um, you take away that auditory feedback. So the sweet spot itself is actually smaller, but that feedback it gives you when you do hit that one rare one solid um, is really, really good. Wow. I, I'm still kind of mind blown here on the fact that the, you know, the, the good quote unquote feel is actually your ears not mm-hmm. your hands. Yep. That is that is still mind blowing to me. Uh, but I've hit blades before. I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, there there is something about that sound where it's just like, you know, it's like when you hear your favorite song or you're watching, you know, you're watching like the big climax to a movie and like you can feel that tingle go down like the back of your neck. 
that's what a solid struck blade sounds like like every you, you remember time. ben hogan golf clubs I, they're still around i know but when they were oh yeah i got a buddy who has some from the 70s and they have the speed slot they're, so they're back, actual persimmon <laughs> back in the mid to late 90s their slogan hit what you just said better than anything i've heard before or since uh, that you hit that solid shot it goes straight up the shaft and into your heart um and like that was oh. just like such killer branding and marketing on their part no back kidding. in the day that I've never forgotten it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because it I mean, yeah, with a with a blade, it really does give you that you know that oh my, like I can't believe what I just did. That's the best swing of my life type of feel. And I'm just learning now that it's my ears telling me that, not my hands. So, yep. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nuts. Um, I I remember like when that was first year with me, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, not what I thought, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I imagine that's something that you could tune. And that's, I now that I'm thinking about this, like all these different factors and things that I've noticed throughout my life are are kind of flooding my brain right now. So I I cannot stand how Titleist series drivers sound. And because of that, I always, because I think people associate sound more with driver than irons, but that one, like I, I tested a Titleist 975 D when I was a kid and everybody had a 975 D. I know, which is why I wanted one, but I'm just like, I can't, it's just, uh, it, it wasn't like nails on a chalkboard, but it, compared to my tailor-made fire soul, uh, <laughs> it was, it, it wasn't the same. And like, I, I hit the Cali ones and like, they, they all had distinctly different sounds. And now that you're mentioning, you know, the fact that like the feel is related to the sound, not your actual like tactile impression that was probably all done intentionally wasn't it yes yeah i mean certain like tideless has got its run this certainly isn't fact and true but they always had the rep for being like being a, a, a players club or a better players club um preferences of better players are tended for like a muted sound yeah yeah right um I think of other clubs like that. Uh, we'll use Nike since they're no longer in the marketplace on the golf club front. Um, they wanted to create buzz. So they used a lot of shiny colors and stuff, but you'll probably remember the original Sasquatch square driver. Oh yeah. Uh, looked like a toaster. Um, yep. When you hit that thing, like hit a big dong. Um, so that was attention grabbing and, and definitive and you know, ended up people probably didn't like that. And it was a total flop in the marketplace, but I imagine they were going for something when they did that. Um, some Callaway drivers of, over the years um, have had some like really distinct noises. But if you've noticed over the last handful of years, it's blended towards a lot more muted noise with the Callaway drivers and their market share. Um, and the driver market has just continued to climb and climb and climb. Um, there's probably a positive correlation with that. Um, thinking about that, I don't have any facts or figures to say that, but it sure. tends to make sense. Um, I would say like one thing that I'm noticing at this point of all your your big companies, um, you're finding less difference in right. like golf club sound, which is probably saying that they're getting good at honing into what the the consumer wants, correct, um, yep. and and trying to design things around that. Yeah, because I've like I've always played TaylorMades, and well, I mean I've always had at least one TaylorMade club in my bag, whether it was driver or irons or whatever, uh, to the point where like everybody joked that my first daughter 
named Taylor was actually named <laughs> after everything that was in my golf bag. As long as I've known you, I never put that together, but then now it's all making yeah. sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She, she even jokes about that sometimes. Like when she really wants to twist the knife on me, she's like, well, at least I won't name my kids after my golf clubs. I'm like, I don't care if you do, but, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I thought her name could have been Tommy armor. Uh, so she's doing pretty <laughs> yeah, good, exactly. We could have called you Hogan, uh, <laughs> Adams, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the uh, I I have noticed though that like when I went uh, and got fitted for a driver last time, that yes, everything was much much closer to the point where I I wasn't actually put off at all by the sound of the title of this driver. But you know, going back to like 1998, that I it it was a very very different sound from club to club to club and you know you would see the demo day at the driving range and you'd go out and you're like all right i'm gonna hit at this tent i'm gonna go hit at the cleveland tent for a while and you're like "Ooh, okay uh, i liked that one and you go and you hit at the tailor made and you're like oh okay yep a little bit different sound okay i like that one and then you know you go to like the like you said like the nike one it's like is this an aluminum baseball bat from the college world series like what the hell is going on it's like whating you're just like, uh, I don't think I can be seen in public with that sound. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that just popped in my mind is if we're like dating it back that far, think of the size of the club head and how much oh, bigger yeah. it's gotten. Well, so the echo now essentially like can, everything on the marketplace is somewhere between 430 and 460 cc. Yep. Right. Like that's only relatively recent. You know, like we're talking like if you're thinking like like the 975D, we're probably looking in like 2003, 2002 range. Um, I'm thinking is when that that golf club was out. Like that wasn't that long ago. We're talking like 20 years ago. So as the club heads gotten bigger and when we were talking about weight and center of gravity, like now that they're starting to figure that stuff out, eventually like they're going to figure out to a point where like it's as good as it can get inside the rules. Um, And I think we're getting closer and closer to that point we're, we're certainly not there yet because we're continuing to see improvement you're continuing to see companies try different and different materials um, but that's probably why another reason why the noise is starting to sound the same because all the club heads are about the same shape now um and they're starting to get like well weight here makes the most sense yeah so okay we've uh, <laughs> i gotta turn this this conversation back uh to being uh, less about josh tell me how i can make my bag better uh, mm-hmm. Me personally, and and more like, how can I make my audience's bag better? Uh, when you know, we we've talked about like all the different impacts and buckets we can have for like uh, club heads, whether it's irons or drivers and stuff like that. I think the shaft of the club, especially from the weekend golfer's perspective, is oftentimes greatly overlooked. What are some things that people can or should be looking for? in a well-fitted, well-tuned shaft for them. Sure. I mean, or like, what can a good shaft do for that weekend player? Well, that's, I mean, that this, this is an area where things can continue to, to expand and a little bit of, you got to start figuring out how much you want to budget for it. Um, yep. because cause you can go down some rabbit holes, but like on the basic end, um, most companies, um, have, what we would consider like stock options for their shafts. And the reason those stock options exist aren't because those are the cheap things. Uh, those are the ones that, you know, we can fit most golfers into something in the stock options, 
okay. category. So like then once we figure out there, like the launch conditions, just like when we were considering the head, like the, the, the weight and stiffness of the shaft can affect those launch conditions. So if I have a golfer who has um, super, super low backspin, um, either whether it be driver or iron, uh, one of the first things I'm going to look at is I'm going to look at the shaft of that golf club. And I'm going to say like, well, based on the speed that they swing it, does that, does that make sense? So I was talking about that old dynamic gold S S 300. Well, if I've got, um, think, think of a scenario, um, I've got 70 year old man, um, ball speed with, um, seven irons, you know, 86 miles per hour. And he's got a 120 gram steel shaft. That's, um, um, playing somewhere between stiff and X and he can't hold a green. Well, okay. This one's pretty easy. Um, let's put him in something lighter to get that backspin rate up. Interesting. So in, in that circumstance, it's just purely the weight of the shaft that is allowing and, that, that higher loft. Okay. So we're, we're making it a little, it's a, a little, little softer. Combo, as well. Now, like one gotcha. of the things, you know, the heavier something gets the oftentimes the, the stiffer it tends to go. You're not going to find a whole lot of 120 gram ladies flex. Um, right. golf flex, <laughs> um, cause those two things don't, don't work together. Yeah. The, the, the science hasn't figured that out yet. Correct. So when we're, when we're talking about like getting fitted, buying new clubs and pairing, it's, it's almost, uh, like pairing a wine with your meal. So you go in, you know what you want, you know, so I might say, Hey, I'm, I've, I've got a heart condition. I can't eat steak as frequently as I wanted to. I guess I'll have the salmon. So, you know, they're probably, and I, this is actually a horrible metaphor because I don't know jack shit about wines, but, you know, a sommelier is going to pair a wine that goes with salmon versus just like, yep, I'll take, you know, your standard, like I'll take a Corona, you know, a sommelier isn't going to hand you a Corona for like a, a salmon dish. And similarly, when you're getting fitted for clubs, you know, you come in first and Josh made this point great that you need to kind of come in with like a goal for, you know, the new club. Um, and then based off of that, you know, it's going to be a bit of a combination between club head and club shaft that are going to work together to get you to that goal. So I think it's pretty fair to say that it's never like exclusively one or the other. It's always a combination uh, do you find that that combination is skewed one direction or the other in terms of what has the biggest impact? And I'm asking this because yeah. if it, someone is is trying to like save money and go with like a standard shaft and, you know, maybe they they want to go a different direction with their club head because of that, if, if the club head is more influential on the result. Yeah, it, it's undeniable, the club head. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, like I, I, if I go through a fitting and I, I get the club head wrong. Um, it's gonna, I, there's so many more options and we, we actually have learned a ton of this, um, uh, over the, with the pandemic and all the supply chain issues, um, sure. the number of times that I've, uh, done fittings, got through it, 
to go to order the golf clubs for the customer to learn that that you know golf clubs back ordered to um you know an unknown timetable and presenting the customer like with other options um and so like one of the things that the companies uh, have done were, were able to do to, to help us out where to present, um, they call them EI curves. And if you have somebody that is that interested in understanding that, like just Google golf shaft EI curves and, and get an explanation. There's about plenty of great information out there to show how similar shafts perform. Um, and then figuring out a shaft that performs similarly. And it astounded me at the number, and this is particularly true in irons more so than drivers, um, that the number of iron shafts I could put in and get the same exact result. Oh, wow. So club head, by by a huge margin, especially in irons. Like if I am in the ballpark of weight and flex with an iron shaft, um, you can do do a whole lot of things. That's not so much the case with with driver, but with irons is certainly the case. Nice. So we're probably talking like a 90-10 ratio in terms of influence. Yeah, uh, with irons, yes. Um, driver, it's going to probably go 70-30. Okay. Well, very cool. I think this is this has been a lot of information. I don't want to completely drown the listeners in in wonderful info. So uh, I guess we'll we'll put a pin in it here and and pick up um, whatever user question we have next at a later time. But uh, thank you again, Josh. Really, really appreciate your time. And if you're in the Columbus, Ohio area and you want to play better golf, Josh Boggs is the guy you need to go see at Golf Tech. So uh, thank you again, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. This was a fun one. All righty. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash Griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of the this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.